welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Carl Kopp, who is the director of Bloomsburg's University Institute for Interactive Technologies. He is the founder of the Learning and Development Mentor Academy and the co-founder of the Enterprise Game Stack. Thanks so much for joining us today, Carl. Yeah, thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. I'm going to start with a phrase from a profile of you, which states that you operate at the convergence of learning, technology, games, and game thinking with a focus on fun, laughter, and insight. Let's take both parts of that description and start with the first. Why have you dedicated your career to the convergence of learning, technology, and game thinking? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question. So um, early on in um, my beginnings of working in organizations, I found out that where a lot of things get lost is where they intersect. So there were people who were working on technology, but when it came to the learning part of it, they really didn't understand how the learning worked or how the learning would could be influenced by the technology. We had technology people that just loved the technology for the sake of technology and didn't really think of the learning elements and didn't have an understanding of where those elements could influence some of the learning outcomes. And then games and gamification kind of grew up over the years as I was thinking, well, okay, we have this technology, we have this learning, but it's really kind of boring. So who, who's getting this right? And I looked at the game industry and I'm like, wow, those folks know what they're doing. So I didn't want to create games, but I wanted to take where games could overlap with learning where games could overlap with technology and where games um, could impact individuals and think that's where I want to focus my career. Now, it didn't happen overnight. There was a lot of uh, fits and starts and thinking. And and so I, I, I um, had seen one time, there's a really interesting diagram by Walt Disney where in the middle of the diagram, he writes uh, our character library or something like that. And then he says, okay, the character library uh, will sing songs on our albums and the album music will be played at our park and our park will promote our cartoons, which are going to have the characters and they're going to have the music. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is a, a brilliant conception of converging all of these. Sometimes it seems disparate into one focused effort. So um, I kind of got out a piece of paper and said, okay, where, do, where can I, where can I, where can I really add value that's different and unique? And it really was looking at the convergence of where these things meet, because I really believe that value is added at the edges hmm. and uh, working on those edges has been really kind of an interesting process for me. Well, I definitely want to talk more about that convergence and how it can benefit leadership today, the leaders of today, and the leaders of tomorrow. Let's take the second part, though. Why is fun laugh, and laughter so vital to your pursuit? So I, I, I think that, um, to me, if you think about creativity, creativity is the juxtaposition of two or more things that don't seem to belong together. But if you think about uh, what we want in terms of innovative leaders, what we want in terms of people moving us forward, we want them to think almost in a non-linear fashion. And to me, humor is very non-linear. Uh, some humor, why it's so funny is because you never expected, you know, that zinger to come uh, for like a knock-knock joke. Who's there? You know, um, um, 
banana, banana who? Knock, knock, who's there? Banana, banana, banana. And finally say, who's there? Orange. And you're like, orange? Well, orange to glad it's not banana, right? It's a stupid joke, but it's a juxtaposition of, well, you didn't expect fruit and you know all that kind of stuff. So the idea is I think that leaders can leverage that kind of creativity, but you need to have fun with it. You need to uh, gain insights through laughter. Laughter is a really great way of pointing out painful things in an easier to handle format. So I think humor can be very helpful in that as well. And I've been around leaders who, you know, kind of who have fun and leaders who are uh, open to laughing. And I've been around leaders who are not fun and not open to laughing. And I, I'd much rather work with the group that will have a laugh with you than the group that will yell at you. You've definitely been seen as a leading thinker in this field. You've worked with some incredible organizations along the way. I think you've also done some work with LinkedIn Learning and some speaking on the topic. Where do a lot of organizations go wrong when it comes to their approach to learning? And how can the work that you've done over the years help guide them to maybe a more fruitful destination? So I think one of the places where we get wrong, and I'm asked this question a lot, like how do you measure the impact of learning? You know, what measurements do you use? And I say, well, what measurements do you use to measure the impact of business, right? Of business, of operations, of marketing strategies, of new design approaches. So one of the things that learning leaders sometimes get wrong is we think about learning outcomes, learning measurements and learning metrics and not organizational measurements organizational metrics and organizational priorities. So that's the thing I think that we would get the most mileage out of if as learning leaders, we focused on what was keeping business leaders up at night. The other thing I think that we need to focus on, and this is getting a little bit better, but is on helping learners learn how to learn. A lot of times we assume that people know how to learn and we assume that people would just pick it up or if we put something out there, they're just gonna get it or they don't need guidance. But time and time again, I've seen that people are not always prepared or knowledgeable or ready to learn and we have to prime the pump a little bit. We have to give them the instructions. We have to coach them a little bit. We need to say, hey, if you need to learn about this, here's three tips that are going to make you a more effective learner. And so I think that's another responsibility that the learning organization needs to have. The, the, the last one I'll say, and especially this is, I find this in a lot of engineering organizations or organizations that are very technically savvy, is that they have to build everything in-house. Um, sometimes there's some knowledge and wisdom of purchasing a system or processes outside of your organization and not always have to build it inside. So sometimes when you see software, there's actually a lot of value in that software beyond how the software functions, but because people have added elements of knowledge, best practices and information into that software, and that makes it effective. So, so um, go back to what you do, right? You're, you're probably not a learning organization, so you don't want to spend all your R&D effort in building learning tools. What you want to do is leverage the tools that are out there so you can do what your organization does, whether that's healthcare, whether that's um, insurance or banking or wealth man, whatever that happens to be, focus on what you do well. 
What has surprised you the most about how the field has developed over the years? And maybe if I can ask you to kind of key in on, let's say the last two to five years, what changes have happened that have surprised you? And then I'll have a follow-up question about, you know, maybe where we need to go in the future to make some of these things more concrete and more impactful. Yeah, so that's a great question. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the easy answer. I'm gonna say one of the things that really surprised or, or is Everybody said, oh, I don't know if we can work at home. I don't know if online learning works. I don't know, whatever, whatever, it might work. And we were slowly moving along literally for decades. And then boom, overnight, colleges go online, organizations go online, training goes online. And lo and behold, we can learn in this environment. We can find out how to connect with people virtually. There is value in online learning. So I think that was a big thing for a lot of people that things that that I've been saying and other people have been saying in my situation who were kind of like on the fringe. Yeah, we kind of get e-learning. Yeah, but we'd rather be face to face. I mean, I go to literally I go to on I go to in I went to in-person conferences about e-learning. When Second Life was a big thing, I went to in-person conferences about how good Second Life was. And I kept thinking, well, if Second Life is so good, how come we're here face to face, right? Um, you know, that 3D virtual world that that uh, existed um, still exists. So one of the things that I think it's done is it's opened the minds of people to say, you know what, there are other ways of connecting, interfacing and working with people. And guess what? We had to discover them. Now, we didn't do it perfectly. There's still a lot of fits and starts and there's still a lot of practice. And it was a little bit of a triage, uh, figuring out what to do and how to do it. But now I think organizations are going to go, okay, yeah, all right, all right, we did it. It was kind of successful, more successful than we thought it was going to be. But now let's do it more deliberately, more purposefully more with intent. So I think um, that was a big change that I've seen in the last, uh, you know, like two years um, that I think is going to carry forward and it's going to help organizations know. I mean, there are, there definitely are times when we want to bring people together. There's a lot you can get from bringing people together, but now we can be more strategic about it. And now we can be more thoughtful about how we want to bring people together for learning opportunities, as opposed to just saying, oh, we got to do everything in the classroom or everything online or whatever. We'll now think about it purposefully and make the right decisions. Let's continue down that path. A lot of the work that you've done is designing experiences to help people with either sales skills, leadership skills, negotiation skills. What sort of advice would you have for a young rising leader? What are the types of things that they should be aware of, they should be prepared for, and maybe they should be focused on to be the leader of the future? Right. So that's a that's a really good question. So one of the things I think in order to be a good and effective leader is to study the craft. So learn about leadership. If you're going to be in an innovative organization, learn about innovation. If you're going to be in a learning organization, learn about learning. So build an area of expertise, a technical area of expertise. That's very helpful. Then another thing I think uh, is to practice leading. Like I know it sounds silly, but you know, take an opportunity in your community or in your neighborhood or in your school or in your organization, lead an ad hoc group, lead a, an element. One of, early in my career, um, we were, uh, I was working with a, a, an ERP software company and uh, we were going outside for the training to become certified in um, inventory management. And I went to some of the classes, I'm like, this isn't, 
this training is horrible. I could do a lot better. So, you know, I wrote up a proposal. I went to management. I said, hey, let's do this, right? And so now I was leading the class. I was leading the certification process. It wasn't part of my job. Somebody didn't ask me to do it, but I stepped up and volunteered. And it was inside my organization. So I think there's a lot of opportunities to step up and lead inside your organization and outside your organization. Be a learner, be a sponge. Um, I would say uh, a lot of times to people, um, do three things when you first get to a company. One is don't say anything for the first six months. Absorb everything uh, and know that if you sit in the lunchroom, the person who is most disaffected or the most disillusioned with the organization will be the one that will talk to you first, right? Misery loves company. Don't buy into it. Listen, but don't buy into it. Get to know the people that um, – are in administrative services. They know everything that goes on in an organization. Partner with those people, be nice to those people, work with those people, and then be nice with the custodial staff. Custodial staff also knows everything that's going on. They know who's nice, who's not nice. They know where things are. Uh, those three pieces of advice, I think, can be really good for a budding leader. Sometimes a leader comes out of you know an MBA school or wherever, and they're you know, there used to be a commercial uh, um, where somebody was trying to ship a package and the um, person goes, I I'm not shipping a package. You don't understand. I have an MBA. And she goes, oh, okay, well, here's the enter button. And here's, you know, because the expectation sometimes is, hey, this isn't the job, you know, that I signed up for. It doesn't matter. I used to, when I used to come in to, to teach, um, I would wipe the tables down because there were fingerprints on there. And my boss, she's the one that said, you have to wipe the fingerprints. And in my back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm new. I'll do it. But this is ridiculous. Like who even notices, you know, being a, uh, who cares? So I did the, I wiped the fingerprints just because I had to, I was trying to please the boss. And then one day, um, one of the trainees said to me, I just want to, I just want to say something to you. And I'm like, and she said, your training room is always so clean. I really appreciate the care and time you take to making sure it's a clean learning environment. And, uh, and uh, like a, a light bulb went off, like, oh, okay, the environment is important. How you think about not just people in the environment and all people from um, the people that you report to, to the people that report to you, to the people that are not direct reports, to the people that don't directly work for you, everyone has a critical part to play and you need to respect and work with all those people. And then you also need to respect and create an environment that is safe, that is healthy, that people enjoy being in. And again, if we go back to Disney, think of the Disney park, right? They spend so much time making the environment, you know, quote unquote magical. And I'm not telling you to make a magical environment, but I'm taking, I'm telling you to take time and take care to make an effective environment, whether it's a learning environment or a sales environment or a mentoring environment, whatever it happens to be, take some care in that. I want to ask a little bit about maybe your predictions for the future, given what you've seen, given the, where the trends are going, given this experiment from a global health crisis perspective that, that we were all thrust into, where do you see the industry going? And then maybe as a follow-up to that, where do you hope that it's going that maybe you're not so sure that it's going to get there? Okay, good, good, good question. So one of the things that I think is fascinating is the um, digitization of analog tools and methods. So you see things like Miro, 
you see things like Enterprise Game Stack, which was a which was a physical card game. It's now a digital card game. You see more tools being developed for uh, quickly taking notes on computers and systems and things like that. So I definitely see that trend accelerating. I also see the trend of um, when we're out, uh, out walking around again. This was a trend that was kind of happening, but is really accelerating is augmented reality. Um, I think augmented reality has some advantages over virtual reality in the fact that we can carry it in our pocket. We don't have to put on goggles. Uh, it can be done in the moment. So I think there's some some advantages there. I also think that another interesting development scary slash interesting like I, i'm not quite sure but the deep fake um artificial intelligence that there was just something out about they showed like amelia Earhart animated through ai just based on a few pictures of her um, from a learning and development perspective so in some ways it's like really creepy but from a learning and development perspective imagine being able to cast extras to be in your learning video without having any uh, type of, um, you know, people to pay for that, right? Or people, actors, and you don't have to worry. And, and if you want to change a hairstyle, you just click in and say, you know, um, 2032 hairstyles and clothes that match, you know, so we're going to be able to create some really compelling learning and development experiences, um, just like we create PowerPoint. I think that's going to be interesting. So what are we missing and where are we going? I think one of the things that we um, <clears throat> are missing in terms one, one of the things that I hope won't happen, but I, I feel like it will a little bit, is a slide back into uh, the pendulum, I think, is going to swing to a lot of face-to-face. -face. Everybody's going to default to face-to-face. -face. And what I really hope is that people intelligently decide what's face-to-face. -face. And then I also hope that people intelligently implement the tools so for example um, there's a number of virtual um, virtual reality but like 3d worlds where you can be an avatar and you can be in this environment and that makes a lot of sense but unfortunately we're mimicking classrooms and boardrooms and physical spaces what i hope that we do in the future is we do spaces that you can't do physically right let's go to the turbine as a bunch of engineers and figure out what's wrong. Let's jump into this person's carotid artery and check out what's going on. Let's not meet in a conference room, right? So um, let's go to where our product is used and, and experience that together. Let's go to, you know, all those kind of things are possible. So what I'm hoping is that as we, as we, as the pendulum swings to face to face and then swings back a little bit to digital, that we start being more, more purposeful about what digital elements and items that we should use so that we're leveraging this digital world, not simply mimicking the physical world. A, a good example of this is, you know, early on when uh, the motion picture was invented, they literally set it up in front of a stage and filmed a play. But now you, we know that when we see a blur in a movie that we're doing time travel. Right. We know that when uh, a movie pans in really close to somebody, we know that there's an anxious moment or something. These visual cues and language need to be in some of these tools that we're developing so that we understand immediately what certain things mean and the connotation and denotation of those items.
Well, that is a really interesting way to look at what could be coming and a very optimistic, hopeful, which makes me excited, look at what might be coming. And it's a perfect spot to actually shift gears to our final two rapid fire questions that are more personal in nature that I get to ask all of our guests. So if you're ready, I will get started with question number one, which is this. If you could describe your leadership style in one word, what would that word be? My word would be collaborative. So um, I try to lead through uh, working uh, with others to accomplish goals. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? So I think it was from my mom who would always say, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And uh, I, I think that that really is a, way, a good way of looking at lots of different situations. Well, I love that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carl. Where can our listeners find out more about you? So um, if you are interested in following along, I'm on Twitter at KKAPP. I also have a, a newsletter called LND um, Easter Eggs on LinkedIn Learning. So you can definitely follow me on LinkedIn Learning. I have a website, uh, carlcop.com, which people can follow. Um, if you're interested in taking classes from me, I have the T, uh, T&D Mentor Academy. Um, so you can email me at carlcop at gmail.com and, and learn more about that. Um, Enterprise GameStack is a digital card um, tool that uh, I've been involved with developing. So people can um, Google that. And if you're interested in digitizing card games uh, or having that as a, as a method in your organization, they, they can uh, reach me there as well. Well, thank you so much for all the great insight. Thanks to all our wonderful listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization at ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.